0: you mm-hmm. of Medieval, where history meets historical fiction. I'm Sharon Bennett Connolly, international best-selling author of historical non-fiction books.
1: And I'm Derek Burks, best-selling author of historical fiction.
0: Okay, so A Slice of Medieval, what is it? Hopefully a fun podcast. Each episode will pick a historical theme or event and apply our own particular charm to it, We'll look not only at the facts, but also at how it is portrayed in historical fiction, and maybe, if we have time, how things could have gone differently. The first event to get the Sharon and Derek treatment is the anarchy. We've both been working on that period recently, so we thought it would be nice and fresh in our minds. Derek has come at it from the angle of historical fiction, and I um, recently wrote a book called Women of the Anarchy, which will hopefully be out next year.
1: I'm currently working on... Uh, a novel, a new series set during the Anarchy, which focuses on uh, one of the illegitimate sons of Robert Earl of Gloucester. So I've been researching the period quite a lot to find out some interesting facts to throw into my new series.
0: It's interesting, Robert of Gloucester, you wouldn't have thought somebody who lost so much because he was illegitimate would actually risk having illegitimate children.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, they did though, didn't they? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they did have illegitimate children. Uh, Henry, his, his father, Henry I, had, what, 20-something? Yeah,
0: he had loads. I don't think he knew how many
1: he had. Yeah, no, Probably <laughs> not, no. Uh, no, he had a lot. Uh, so it was a sort of thing, I guess,
0: um, mm.
1: rightly or wrongly. We, we, the 21st century view of it is obviously very different, but um, it happened a lot. It's not
0: actually the anarchy. It's the build-up to the anarchy. And the events that led to 1135 and King Stephen usurping the throne from his cousin, Empress Matilda. And I will say usurping because I am firmly on the side of Empress Matilda. And the more I read about King Stephen, the less and less I like him which is brilliant when I was a kid it was st- I was a Stephen fan all the way because my brother was named Stephen so I thought I should support King Stephen but then you start reading up on it and it's like no he wasn't nice he stole the throne he shouldn't he should never have been king that's my opinion anyway <laughs> but well I,
1: I'm I must admit that um I, I'm in that camp as well because obviously I'm, I'm writing about it from the point of view of, of the camp of Robert of Gloucester who who supported his half-sister Matilda. So I, I'm firmly in the Matilda camp as well, so we're, we're pretty biased, I guess, between us.
0: <laughs> I suppose we are, so we'll have to see if we can be balanced while we're biased. But anyway, the, the anarchy itself, it all started with a shipwreck in 1120. Henry I had two children, a boy named William and a daughter named Matilda. Unfortunately, the boy named William, who had been raised to be king, he had had the best education, was well looked after, and apparently was a paragon of virtue. Um, I think that might have been a little bit coloured over, but he was supposed to be everything that would be great in a king. Unfortunately, he got on a ship where he got his sailors drunk and they ran aground, and he and 300 souls, I think it was. Something in, like that, yes. Drowned off the coast of France, and suddenly Henry the had was in the middle of a nightmare. He'd lost his only son. His wife had died um, two years before, and he needed an heir. So he married a lady named Adeliza of Louvain, and although they were married for nearly fifteen years, um, he never managed to get Adeliza pregnant, uh, despite the fact he'd had. At least twenty illegitimate children, so he knew what he'd he had. Was. A lot of
1: success, hadn't he? Really, <laughs> yeah, outside of marriage,
0: just not with his wife. So poor Adeliza did get a lot of blame for that as well. And yet, in her next marriage, she had five or seven children, or something. She had a lot of children with her second marriage, so it wasn't her fault.
1: Wow, uh, I was going to ask you that actually, whether uh, whether it was it was likely to be her, but obviously it wasn't. So uh, it was the chemistry compatible. wasn't there. The chemistry wasn't there, or the biology wasn't there. Something wasn't there.
0: Yeah, obviously a compatibility issue. Um, Henry was getting on a bit, uh, so there might be that. So what? he was born in 1068, so he was in his um, 50s when he married her. Um, in 1120, he was 52, so he was in well into his 50s by the time he married Adelaide. And unfortunately, they didn't have any children. So he started, I think he started grooming Stephen of... Blois, whose name I can never pronounce. Um, no, it's a so,
1: struggle, that word, isn't it? I've it always is. had trouble. Blois, yeah, it's, it's sort of...
0: French and I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it just sounds like I'm throwing up.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not keep that image. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps we should.
0: So, Stephen of Blois, um, see what I
1: mean? Yeah, um, Yeah. however many times you try to say it, <laughs> it's not going to get any easier.
0: No, it doesn't. I should stop t- writing about people who I can't pronounce, to be honest. So, yeah, he's. I think he started grooming Stephen to take his place. But then in 1125, everything changed again because his daughter Matilda's husband died in Germany. She had no children with Hen- Emperor Henry, so she could come back to England safely. She had nothing to keep her in Germany. She wasn't going to be regent or anything. So she could come back to England and therefore she could be Henry's heir.
1: There was a tiny flaw though, wasn't there, in her being the heir?
0: Yes, she was a woman. And apparently, I think she was probably a really strong and would have been a very capable queen. But as far as the men was concerned, she was a woman. And that's a big problem. She had to be married. She had to have a man to help her because men are so helpful and women can't do anything without a man helping them.
1: Well, yeah, it, I mean, it is about, we can't escape the fact that it is It is all about the fact that she was a woman.
0: Yes, and Henry, for some reason, Henry I chose Geoffrey of Anjou to be her husband, to help her when she came to be the crown. The problem with choosing Geoffrey was nobody liked him.
1: But and why did he not- choose him? Why did he choose yes. him? That's what I don't understand.
0: I don't get it. I don't get why he chose somebody that his barons did not like and saw him as somebody who would encroach on their own lands. But I suppose he couldn't choose um, a vassal, which is what Elizabeth I used to say. She couldn't marry somebody who was her subject.
1: Yeah.
0: So Henry had to find somebody who wasn't going to be Matilda's vassal, uh, which I suppose narrows it down a bit because you can't look in Normandy and England.
1: But that's true
0: still you wonder i mean unless it was slim pickings at that point and there wasn't anybody else available <laughs> i don't know it just seems like a really oh we'll, give, we'll marry you to jeffrey but nobody likes him and it's going to cause you problems i thought he was trying to smooth the way for her not make it harder
1: well their marriage it got off to a bit of a rocky start
0: didn't it it got off to a really bad start she left him The year afterwards two years afterwards she actually i think he was hitting her or something so she left him because jeffrey was only what was he 14 or 15 or something when he married her and she was 10 years older than him
1: yeah something like
0: that married to a child isn't going to help either so she left him and went back to her father's court for about a year and that seems to be when jeffrey wasn't really missing her because that's probably when his um, son Hamlin, who became Earl of Warren, was born. Um, so it sounds like Geoffrey was actually enjoying not having his wife around.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean he was—he was, he was not—he was not exactly a shrinking violet, was he? No. So um, then
0: you have this thing where she's persuaded eventually to go back. I don't know if she's persuaded or threatened. Um, but eventually she does go back to Geoffrey and they're reconciled. And a son is born shortly afterwards, Henry.
1: They must have been been very reconciled then.
0: (laughs) They must have been as well, because it wasn't just Henry. They had three boys very quickly. Within four years, she'd had three children. Unfortunately for her, the birth of the second one, Geoffrey, was really difficult and it took her a long time to recover. Well, actually, she had recovered and had fallen pregnant again and then her dad died and she was in Anjou pregnant and probably still poorly from having given birth to Geoffrey with two toddlers around her and her dad dies and she's supposed to claim the throne but she can't because (laughs) she's a mother so Stephen takes advantage of that and claims the throne for himself and you just think That's sort of probably, you can imagine all the barons going, see, that's what we were trying to tell you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah. actually, you know, it is, yeah. I mean, that's sort of life in a sense, isn't it? It, it, you, You can't rule if you're a woman because you've got to have kids and all the rest of it so so yes it sort of bore out their the reasons for their objections but they had sworn an oath to support her
0: yeah they sworn two oaths by that point they'd done it twice they did it as soon as she came back from germany and then i I think after she married jeffrey there was another oath um they definitely sworn twice and stephen had sworn it as well so he was breaking his oath by claiming the crown
1: so did they have? Did they have an excuse for breaking their oaths?
0: Duress; they were forced to. Ah, oh, yeah,
1: that's that's right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they only swore the oaths because Henry said, "Swear the oath yeah. or else."
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. That's an get out of jail free card. That one, isn't it?
1: <laughs> so Stephen basically seizes the moment, doesn't he? Really, he 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 obviously had some previously had had thought that this was something he he would be able to do maybe that he he was being groomed for it
0: so he he took his chance yeah I think in those years between 1120 and 1125 he was at Henry's court and I wouldn't be surprised if Henry had more than one occasion said it's going to be if she if Adeliza doesn't have a child it's going to be you because Matilda being in Germany was out of the picture she wasn't coming back she was married she would have had kids with Henry she would have her life was in Germany. So Henry would not have even considered her until his, until her husband died. So he had to look elsewhere. And the closest he had was Stephen. And he'd raised Stephen. Stephen had been at his court for a long time. So he deranged arranged his marriage to Matilda of given um, giving him all these lands and possibilities. So uh, Stephen must have thought it's mine. And then when Mathilda came home, it's like, uh-oh, <laughs> what am I going to do? She's going to get it. It's not fair.
1: <laughs> yeah, and she doesn't, because of her circumstances, she doesn't immediately leap up and uh, supported by her husband, make a bid for the throne, does she?
0: No, and um, they were in the it's made worse by the fact that Geoffrey was in rebellion against Henry I when Henry died. Um Right, to be honest he had justifiable reasons Henry had not relinquished the dower castles that he'd assigned to Matilda so Geoffrey was fighting to get the lands that had been assigned to Matilda as part of her dower so you often see the argument that Henry must have revoked his choice of Matilda because she was rebelling against him but there's no actual, I think it's Um, Roger Bego, who was at Henry's deathbed, is the only one who claims this. Um, Yes, that's right. There were a lot more people at Henry's deathbed than just Bego, but nobody else said he said it.
1: It's all a bit murky, isn't it, really?
0: It is, yes. So basically,
1: um, what we're saying is that Matilda was supposed to be the next ruler, but wasn't. And and then what comes after that is obviously a civil war between the King Stephen and the supporters of Matilda.
0: Yeah, but um, not, even, not straight away, and that's no, the funny thing. no. He came to the throne in eleven thirty five. Matilda was pregnant, so you know that you know she's going to have a few months before the baby's. Arrives and then once the babies arrive, she's got the recovery period and that. So he knows he's got a breathing space. His first trouble comes from Normandy. There's no trouble in England. It's Normandy rises against him in 1137. So he's already had a couple of years on the throne when he has to go to war in Normandy. I think that was Geoffrey causing Geoffrey of Anjou causing trouble, and invaded Normandy. And he takes all his barons to Normandy, but they're all. Some of them are very young. Like William de Warren was about nineteen, and um, most of them got bored and left after a couple of months. They all came
1: home. Now, one of those that went was was also um, Matilda's half brother, Robert Earl of Gloucester. I think I've I've read somewhere that that he had a, a bit of a falling out with Stephen during the time he was in Normandy. Which led to a kind of mutual distrust. And, and that, I'm not saying that caused anything in particular, but it certainly didn't help relationships between Robert Earl of Gloucester and, um, and Stephen.
0: Yeah, and And I think that's the main thing that started the actual full-blown war of the anarchy, is the fact that Stephen alienates Robert, and Robert goes, well, I don't actually have to put up with this, I've got an alternative.
1: Yeah, so 1138, um, Robert declares for his half-sister and goes over to Normandy to, I guess... Oversee getting an invasion force to come over and take the throne. Basically, without Robert, it's quite possible Matilda would never have mounted an invasion of England at all.
0: Yeah, because she wouldn't have had the backing in England. Robert could then come back to England and sound out some of the other barons. I think he would have gone straight to Brian Fitzcount, who never actually swore to Stephen. Sound out a few others, and he would have also, having been in Stephen's camp for a couple of years, seen who was happy and who wasn't with the way that Stephen was handling things. So he would have known exactly who to sound out and come to Matilda and said, look, I think we can do this. I'll go back to England. I'll get some people together then you come over and we'll get this going and we'll get your throne back.
1: But it doesn't all sort of go to plan initially, does it? Because he can't, he can't manage to, when in 1138, he gets stuck in Normandy and there are little rebellions kicking off in the southwest of England, Yeah. but they're not supported by, by him or Matilda yeah. because they're in Normandy. So Stephen is very much in pole position. He's very much, in charge isn't he at that point
0: he is yeah and he has got most of the barony behind him but you find out that um he does start alienating people he doesn't i mean thing with stephen is everything you read about him is he was a nice man but he was probably too nice to be king
1: yeah so we won't go through the whole course of the anarchy today but <laughs> no. um what what is interesting to me is that uh, in terms of the events of the of the, of the Civil War, it's, it's really pretty exciting. A lot of the time, there's battles, there's, there's quite a few hair raising escapes, and uh, a lot of interest, a lot of intrigue, all sorts of things going on. But yeah, it isn't, it doesn't seem to be a period of history that has captured the public imagination.
0: It doesn't and I find that really weird. Like you say there's so many, there's escapes in the snow, there's um sieges within sieges at Winchester, there's the great battle of Lincoln, the battle of the standard and yet few people, if, if you ask people about the anarchy they'll say oh yeah Stephen and Matilda and that's probably as far as
1: they go. Well if they get that far, because <laughs> I, I've, I've talked about the anarchy, I've, I've mentioned the anarchy to someone who was interested in history, and they said, what was that? Yeah. And in other words, they had absolutely no idea at all what the word referred to. Now, it is a fairly, it's a modern term for this civil war, isn't it? It um, is, and you
0: don't always see it, you don't see it written as the Anarchy. Usually, it's written as the war known as the Anarchy. It's yeah. like they're trying to, they're still trying to find an actual name for it and they're calling it the anarchy until they
1: can still come up with something better <laughs> well, well of course the, the the whole idea of anarchy comes from some of the uh, chroniclers who uh, writing about this period gave very much gave the impression that um all hell was breaking loose yeah. and you know all, all rules were set aside uh, all rule, rules of behavior were set aside and and so That's where this idea of anarchy has come from. But in actual fact, it wasn't what we would probably regard as anarchy. It wasn't totally without uh, bounds in terms of what people did.
0: No, it wasn't. A lot of the wars, the battle, it wasn't, they weren't full out battles. They were sieges more than anything. It was, I'll take your castle, you take my castle sort of thing. It was very much a game of chess. You know, they were taking castles here, there and everywhere. But fixed battles, I think the only one that was actually, well, the two were the Standard and in 1138 and the Battle of Lincoln in 1141. I mean, Winchester was a siege, was Empress Matilda besieging Winchester and then getting besieged herself. So it was... It was very, most of the battles were very contained.
1: The thing is, the reason there were all these sieges is that there were so many castles. And this, one of the things that typifies the whole period is the number of castles that were built, often quite small castles. They were called adulterine castles, I think, meaning that they weren't necessarily officially approved by the yes. crown
0: they weren't legal
1: <laughs> no they were illegal castles <laughs> and they're all over they're the place. planning permission <laughs> well very much so yeah but what I discovered which which surprised me was that well it, certainly Stephen and I think probably it worked the other way around is if you were besieging a castle one, one possibility was that you built another castle next to it Yes. and that would sort of I don't know, uh, reduce its effectiveness and just keep it under wraps until you could deal with it later. I thought that was quite an amazing uh, feat to, to actually build another one, but I guess they could build them fairly easily.
0: Yeah, if they build them in wood and then in stone later, you can yeah. throw, up a, throw up a key pretty quickly, can't you? And then, well, it's a stockade, basically. It's just something where you can put men on ramparts to look over yeah. at the enemy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, in the course of researching for my, for my novel, I came across this, uh, this Adulterine Castle at Shaftesbury, Um, and we know almost nothing about it, Uh, but, but we do know that it it was there, we do know it dates from the, from the period of of this Civil War, Um, but I thought, well, you know, there's no, you could look, there are loads of these things about all over the place. And we're only discovering them occasionally when there's archaeology done. They think, oh, yeah, it's another one of those Adulterine castles from from the anarchy. But it's amazing how many there are. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, so there has been historical fiction written about the period. I mean, famously, I guess, um, Brother Cadfile, for example, the series written by Ellis Peters is set during that during the period of the anarchy. But. You only get sort of little episodes of of what's going on. And of course, Ken Follett's Pillars of the Earth, which is enormously popular historical fiction, uh, and there was a sequel as well. That is set during this period. And there there are other books set during the period. Um, My
0: favourite is Sharon Penland's When Christ and His Saints Slept, which is the title is a quote from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle when he's talking about the anarchy. It says there's a time when Christ and his saints slept because it was so bad. Yeah. You know, And that was one of the ones you were talking about, where they made it sound like it was absolute total anarchy because um, the fields weren't tilled and the livestock weren't looked after. Um, so I think the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle was exaggerating a little. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm sure it was. Um, yeah, the other one, which uh, which is a personal favourite of mine, is Winter Siege by Ariana Franklin and um, and Samantha Norman, her, her daughter. Uh, unfortunately, it was completed after Ariana's death, but mm. um, that's, that's one I've always liked. It's not one of the ones that tends to be mentioned, but I think it's a really, really good story. Now, the thing is, of course, in recent weeks... Just to be topical, we've seen the arrival of House of the Dragon on our screens, which is George R.R. R. Martin's uh, fantasy story based on his novel Fire and Blood. Now that, I'm told, is inspired by the anarchy, the idea and spoiler alert. OK, uh, House of the Dragon is going to be about a civil war and it's inspired by uh, what we've just been talking about. Um, where you have a conflict between uh, one heir and another. I'm not going to go any further than that. Otherwise, I'll start totally wrecking the House of the Dragon for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Uh, but, but maybe that, that um, will spur some interest amongst people around the planet about this period of English history, as oh, I- Game of Thrones did about the Wars of the Roses, which was uh, the inspiration for that.
0: Yeah, and the Outlaw King did um, about Robert the Bruce. I had um, my, the best day on my blog ever. The day um, Outlaw King came out, I had something like 50,000 views of um, my article on Robert the Bruce's wife yeah. <laughs> in a day. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> clue what was going on and then I looked, oh, Outlaw King's out. So everybody's watching Outlaw King and going, where's his wife? I want to know about his wife and they found my blog. <laughs>
1: well it, it does show and i think if we needed any evidence and we probably didn't that the power of film and tv in terms of getting interest in 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 any historical period um so yeah, I think I think it may once it once the word gets around a bit that it is connected to the anarchy, I think people yeah. will start saying what the heck is the anarchy, which is um, what we've been doing. Yeah, um, and
0: it's great because I mean the 11th century, the 12th century, sorry, is just so. It seems to be one of those that few people know about, but there was so much that went off, and you just think how can people skip from 1066 to 1154 and Henry II, and they missed that first. High half of the 12th century which had so many interesting events and um, yeah, it's a
1: bit weird isn't it it is but it's, I guess does it also come down to the fact that nobody's talked about it in school are they no really
0: no no I don't think I ever did it in school either not, I don't know not much I
1: at all so whilst the Wars of the Roses might get mentioned whilst 1066 is certain to get mentioned yeah at least um maybe Henry II
0: Uh, Yeah, history
1: in English schools is seemed always like, hang on a minute, I can talk about this because I used to be a history teacher, but but history in English schools tends to focus necessarily in a way on episodes. So we talk about Edward the the first, the hammer of the Scots, there's always a name, isn't there? Mm. Um, And so on and so on and so on through history. And we pick out reigns that appear to to be interesting. But of course, in its own way, all history is interesting. And by picking those things out, you inevitably gloss over other periods. And, and this the period of the anarchy is one of those, isn't it?
0: Mm, it is. I'm trying to think if I even did it in university. I don't think I did. And we did a very general history course, which was something like 400 AD to 1989. So I was at university when the Berlin Wall came down. So I was living I was it you,
1: you didn't history. cause it though I presume you didn't bring no, it No I didn't
0: cause it No but it's it like okay, you walk then. into the history that morning and it's like the building wall's come down <laughs> it's like right well we know what it wasn't
1: me life. you said <laughs> Yeah um well I did I I similarly did a did a British medieval course amongst my university studies um, now it's true I might have missed a few lectures uh, <laughs> I might have, particularly if they were at nine o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Kemp, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Did miss a few of your lectures. Um, so he may have covered it when I wasn't looking or listening. Yeah. But other than that, it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't made mm-hmm. a big issue of at all. It it doesn't seem to be in any area of history. Now, Now, I'm quite happy. I'll be really pleased if somebody comes back to me from... The universities or the schools and says oh no hang on a minute we spend hours on it mm. I'll be surprised no. but I'll, that'll be I'll be pleased
0: I wonder if it's because although it was a war of succession it righted itself and the succession went back to the legitimate line of Henry the first through Henry II so although it was a 19 year war it didn't its outcome didn't actually change. The direction of history, it would have gone to Henry II anyway. So it's like they did all that for 19 years, but they didn't change anything.
1: Well, um, yeah, except if Stephen had remained king, it would have totally changed the entire history of the Middle Ages. Yeah, because and, and it, all things being equal, Stephen would have remained king. Yeah, it, it's actually it's almost a shock that Matilda in the end. She didn't really, spoiler alert, she didn't really win the Civil War but she won the peace at the end of it. Yeah,
0: although and, oh, and no, she didn't, she went home and she sort of handed the baton over to Henry. Yes. And he was the one who seemed to get Stephen, I mean a couple of things happened for Stephen in that his wife died, who I think was his backbone to be honest, yes. I think she was yeah. the one who Actually, kept him on the straight and narrow and doing everything for the sake of their children. His wife, she died. Then his eldest son Eustace died.
1: Do you think he just gave up a bit? I
0: think, think he was he weary of it. I think after Matilda died and then Eustace, he just he gave up.
1: Yes, because his wife was called Matilda as well, which is really yes, sorry. Confusing. Queen
0: after Queen Matilda died. Sorry, there, a book
1: yeah
0: about um women in the anarchy when you've got the two leading women in the anarchy are both Matildas which is very typical
1: very confusing <laughs> yeah no wonder nobody talks about it
0: yeah that's the other thing you've got two Matildas because 1141 is actually known as the war of the Matildas because both the both Empress Matilda and Queen Matilda were the ones in charge for most of 1141 so you've got uh, it's actually called the war of the Matildas
1: yeah, because and, um, their, their their well their, their their main supporters were 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 prisoners of, yeah. of of the two sides. So, yeah, you you heard it here first. So you have to go and find out how they became prisoners. But yep. uh,
0: <laughs> that's one Yeah. Episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, at the end of it all, we have um, Henry II on the throne, and uh, we have the the Angevin kings, uh, the Plantagenets, and that takes us right the way through the middle ages so had stephen stayed as king which was what looked as if it was going to happen the entire history of the middle ages would have been different yes. so it is quite an important i think it's a very very important uh, period of english history
0: definitely and it's very much underrepresented and understudied and yeah, there is ample primary sources You've got some of the best chroniclers writing about this period, which is William of Malmesbury, just who is so pro Robert of Gloucester, it's brilliant. And then you've got the <laughs> Gesta, is it Gesta or Gestas Stefani, who is so pro Stephen, they they can't say a nice word about Empress Matilda to save their lives. <laughs> And the Anglo-Saxon chronicles still going, and there's all these Aldrich Vital. There's so many great chroniclers, uh, John of Worcester, all writing about it. And yet, even then, people still don't know about it.
1: Yes, because sometimes the reason why we don't study a period in great depth is because we don't know much about it, and it's very difficult, it's very sketchy, very difficult to to understand what's going on. But here, you've got a wealth of evidence, as you've said. So. It is a surprise, but maybe this is the moment. Yes. <laughs> maybe this podcast help. is going to turn around the whole thing. Yeah. Right, do we need to say great. anything else?
0: That's a great place to draw it to a close. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to our first Slice of Medieval. You can follow us on Facebook, A Slice of Medieval, and on Twitter, at Medieval Slice. If you want to find out more about me, Derek Burks, you can go to my website, www.derekburks.com.
0: And um, for me, Sharon Bennett Connolly, you can find me at www.historytheinterestingbits.com. Join us next time on A Slice of Medieval, when we'll be looking at growing up in the Wars of the Roses.